Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So, if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan. And me, Nigel T. Best. Uh, Raymondo, I've got a cup of coffee here in front of me. Um, are, are you sorted with your uh, fine brew of um, scratched up flakes of something that fell down the back <laughs> of the cooker, uh, boiled up with some nettles and all the rest of it? Yeah, well, not really, but it's it's some kind of herbal remedy thing. Well, not remedy, but it's, uh, it contains zinc and vitamin D. That's all I know. Tastes rather nice. I put a spoonful of honey in it, and that's my uh, brew of choice these days. I've kind of gone off the builder's tea with milk and, milk and honey. It tastes... I don't know, I had a cup the other day and it tastes incredibly creamy. It's because I haven't had milk for ages. But anyway, it's beside the point. Uh, anyway, so what's going on? What do you know? I tell you what, you, you sent through some exciting news for us. I did. I did. Well, we got contacted out of the blue by uh, feedspot.com. Apparently, we have been selected by pa their panellists as one of the top 100 money podcasts on the whole interweb. And yeah. we're in at number 24. Now, I don't know if that is a bit like, you know, top of the pops, baked, dot off, up three, down four. Um, and we've gone in straight at number 24 and we can rise up. I don't know. We'll find out. But feedspot.com. And uh, they said we would be grateful if uh, we could spread the word by mentioning the top 100 money podcast list. So that is exactly what we're doing. So there we go. Did you have a look at it, Nigel? Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. I tell you what, when you read the blurb about us, it sounds like a cracking podcast to listen to. <laughs> hey? That's what I thought. Oh. Have they actually listened to it? <laughs> yeah, you can't beat a bit of marketing, can you? Hey, that's <laughs> fabulous. But the, I mean, there's some, hey, look, there's some big names in here. Motley Fool um, is Motley Fool Money's 22. Uh, and then you've got people that you, you know about sort of above and, and below. It's, it's really yeah. quite. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, people say you shouldn't blow your own trumpet. Well, I say, if you don't blow it, who the hell else will? So, you know, like, we'll blow our trumpet. So, Indeed. Yeah, congratulations, Ray. Well done. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't, it's, not, it's congratulations to both of us. Um, for um, well, And you as the producer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, I'm not going to win any awards for that. I'll tell you that right now, but uh, no, inter interesting, isn't it? You know, there's there's all sorts of um, things in there. Um, so if, if you're wanting to know some more uh, money related uh, podcasts, then, you know, go check it out and see if any of them resonate with you. But obviously uh, sharing is caring. So we'd love you to share our podcast with your friends, you know, especially anyone that's kind of in the space that you kind of think oh you ought to just you know go back you know we've got quite a big back catalogue now there's lots of information in there so you know just pick out one of your favorites uh if you click on the normally you, you get the three little dots on your podcast player mm -hmm. it, it, you'll be able to share a link or copy a link or message a, a link um do that with a friend really appreciate it drop us a line at uh, hello at hdr money 
www.ecommerce.co.uk. Uh, say you've done it, we'll give you a shout out. How about that? Mm. Okay. Pretty good. Um, also, another bit of a shout out for NoCast. NoCast, which is a oh, new yeah. app. And uh, this is, again, they're not sponsoring us or anything like that, but NoCast is a, a well, it's in beta tech mode. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you can't get on it yet, mm. but we're, we're doing stuff uh, with, we're helping them out with a, a bit of stuff in the background. But uh, yeah, that, that'll be, we'll we'll have to share that when it becomes available because otherwise Absolutely. people are going to be looking for it and you won't be able to get on it or get it. But moment. for those of you that are a bit curious, it allows yeah. you to control podcasts by voice so you can record notes. So if you're listening to a podcast, I'm sure and one of the reasons I joined it is, you know, you're driving down the road and somebody mentions a book and you think, oh, I must remember that. And you're driving, so you can't actually do anything about it. But what NoCast does is it allows you to make notes. It allows you to uh, make notes using voice command. It allows you to put the podcast forward by however much time you want, backwards by how much time you want, highlight something that somebody said. It's actually quite good. Um, I've been testing it. I know you have, Nigel. Yep. Um, and I quite like it. So when it comes out, it is something I will use all the time. So it's yeah. NoCast. I think it's NoCast.io or AI or something. I don't know, but it's K-N-O-W. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's, not, it's not no as in it's not happening, mate. Um, <laughs> it's it's not happening, no mate. as in knowledge. But uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. So that, that's an interesting one. But I mean, right, talking of developments and things going around the world, I don't know about you, but I feel in a, a real state of flux, in a state of, um, in, in a quandary, really, because, you know, you're looking at, at property deals, you're looking at um, business deals, and you're looking at, at money, and you, you're looking at how you can grow your wealth, and, and yet you, we're surrounded by madness all mm. around the world, and um, for me, it, it's kind of highlighted several things, uh, how much destruction a single person can, can achieve, Mm -hmm. uh, how much disharmony a single person can achieve and how much that can impact you know and you it's almost like you pull a thread you know when you get you know your granny knitted your favorite sweater or something and and you, there was a loose thread and you pulled it and before you knew it about four rows had unraveled and you mm -hmm. had a bloody great hole in your jumper and you ruined the whole thing well for me what's going on around the world and uh, there's so much i i think i, I feel like because we're in Europe, because it's very close to us, because it's very um, impactful to us here in the UK, we're really focusing on it. But all around the world, these sort of conflicts and uh, craziness go on for so long, but they don't have such huge ramifications. And I'm, I'm thinking of here, I'm beginning to ramble a bit, but right, I'm going back to my geography lessons. I'm at school. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've got a teacher and she was called Miss Allison. And I think she was telling us about uh, monoculture. And she was talking about how the fact that uh, as, as you try to uh, go beyond just subsistence farming and you started to specialize and people started to, you know, make bigger fields and they would sow one crop and, and this field would get bigger and bigger and bigger until it was vast and you'd need 30 combine harvesters to harvest it and all the rest of it. And it, you were mm -hmm. very much dependent on a single crop and you were, you became sort of the go-to person for that crop and everyone else gave up growing that crop. And, and suddenly, whereas, you know, a few people were dependent on it. Now loads of people are dependent on it. And then all of a sudden you got a disease, bad weather or whatever, the crop failed and the impact was massive. 
So we can go back to the potato famine or uh, the dust bowls in America or, you know, any of these major crop failures. And what you look at there is you didn't have diversity. You, you had all your eggs in one basket. And this conflict at the moment is just horrifying in terms of it. It kind of lifts the, the lid on, the, on how the world's economy works and how interdependent or totally dependent we are yeah. on certain places for certain things. And Ray, it's, it's frightening, isn't it? I mean, well, I mean if you a, look quarter, at, a quarter of yeah. all grains yeah. and something like 40% of all world's fertilizer is in that region. Yep. Oh, my goodness. This is I was reading uh, an article there that said the price of fertilizer has gone up, um, but the likely people that are most likely to suffer from it are golf courses. <laughs> well, I, we can suffer that. Mm, I think we can. But yeah, you're right. Um, and if you think back, I was reading another article there about reading. Back I, was, I was going to say, right, I don't think golf courses consume 40% of the world's No, I'm sure they don't, but the cost, Who, cost. Whoever put that in. No, the cost obviously, fertilizer. No, it, my point you, was, did no, the point was, just because you, you play, just because you play like golf, golf. I don't. <laughs> you don't like golf. You're just trying to give golf a bad rap here, are you? Well, I, mean, I think the gen, the general gist was that the price of fertilizer has gone up that much. That yeah, golf course heard, considering cutting back on yeah. On I, I heard three hundred quid a ton to well over a thousand. Yeah. So when you got inflation rate at, at sort of three hundred and fifty percent. Um, on stuff and going north of it but the, mm. the one of the bigger problems is um, a lot of these things so the production of ammonia which is needed for all sorts of things uh, hugely energy intensive and that's gas and whilst we're in in the UK less dependent on on certain countries um, a lot of Europe is heavily dependent on certain countries and when you look at the countries that have these resources that we are consuming you would not put them in your top 10 of, of nice democratic places with sensible sensible structures in place. Mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't be the first names that, that spring to mind, would they? So I think this dependency, you know, it's, um, it's going to have a, a huge impact. Well, it already impact. is having a huge impact. I mean, you can drive past any petrol station, you can see it on a daily basis, the impact that it's having. Um, I, that's the trouble. I do drive past them. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I electric. Saw, so saw somebody put. Oh well, it's okay. Yep, I saw somebody posting the other. Well, in fact, that would help. That would be affected as well because the price of um, nickel, cadmium, and other, you know, minerals that are used for the production of uh, electric cars has gone north as well. I mean, hugely north. Um, but yeah, uh, somebody posted uh, the other day and said I was in a petrol station and a guy at pump four put ten quid's worth of petrol in his car. <laughs> Where was he driving to? Pump three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, crikey. And the other one that said, "Oh no, I've got a solution to all this. Put thirty quid of fuel in your car each time. Just put thirty quid in there. More for no, for more financial advice. Contact contact me." <laughs> No, but the dependency, I mean, if you look at uh, Germany and how dependent it is on uh, Russian gas, it's quite funny. They've put all these sanctions in place, but yet there's no sanction on Germany being able to send money to Russia for the gas, <laughs> quite, quite obviously, because in the 1980s, when the Green Party took over, they decided to get rid of their nuclear um, because they said it was bad for the planet. And they've now got that dependency on gas. And where does it come from? Russia. Um, you know, and, and they've been saying, you know, this is not new, they've been saying for 10, 15 years, uh, all it takes is for someone to turn the tap off and they're all, uh, 
they're all in deep doo-doo. And uh, yeah. that, that must be worrying for them. Absolutely. But in this country, you know, we have um, mineral wealth. We've got lots of oil reserves and gas reserves. But again, the, 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 you know, the Green Party and this push for zero carbon is all saying that uh, we have to give up our dependency on that. But now they're having a reassessment. I mean, even Boris Johnson, the prime minister, said there recently we have to reassess and relook at um, our nuclear program because we cannot have this dependency on um, you know, on others. I mean, we're an island, we're surrounded by water, we should be self completely self-sufficient, but yet we're not. So and so when he, when he says he's thinking of getting rid of some of his nukes, is he thinking of kind of just dispersing them around the world by uh, by launching them? Is that what you mean? No, <laughs> well, no we don't need these. We'll nuclear these power. Easy. No, I'm thinking of nuclear power. Boris uh, Johnson, right, you know, yeah. our dependency on nuclear power. Yeah, uh, has I mean... I mean, you're a you're a nutter if you go down the nuclear route, um, because it, in my in my humble opinion, um, I've got a friend and he was uh, he was training people. This is just before Sellafield stopped. I think they just stopped producing electricity, mm -hmm. and he was he was uh, teaching a graduate scheme there, a graduate program, and their entire career was going to be dealing with trying to tidy things up. Mm. Um, and you think, hang on, what? So they're no longer producing electricity, but they've got a 40 or 50 year program to try and manage the, the nuclear waste. You just think, that's ridiculous. When a, when a wind turbine doesn't work anymore, you chop it down and stick a new one up, you know, and you could do that in a weekend. You know, what are we, uh, anyway, anyway, all we wanted to sort of say is this, this sort of thing, um, I, I was, um, just thinking that uh, whenever people talk about raising money for a business or property, we always talk about strategies and a lot of conversations talk around, oh, what strategy do you do? You know, buy to lets, HMOs, uh, commercial, you know, what, what are you doing? How are you doing things? And I, I guess the, the idea of the monoculture is you've got to be careful that your strategy isn't all in on one particular strategy. Now, mm -hmm. some people, um, you know, I, I mean, could you imagine if you're in business and you have a chain of cinemas or theaters and you think, well, you know, we can close one for refurb or upgrades or whatever and doing stuff, but the rest will keep going. They'll generate the cash flow. That'll be able to do it. We'll do a rolling program of store refurbishments or whatever. When the pandemic came, you know, nobody had a business plan that said every one of them is going to shut for mm. six months or a year or whatever, and you're going to generate no money. And it's it's this resilience, isn't it? And we're we're facing it now as as a as a world resilience to inflation, food prices, energy costs, and all the rest of it. I guess the question is here, Ray. You know, how do you raise money to put it into something that is just spreading your risk and and generating a bit more resilience. Have you got any any ideas where you would be, um, you know, looking to to make your next investment? Um, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I get asked this question quite a lot, and um, low cost index funds is always good. Somebody like Hargreaves Lansdowne. There's lots more people, but low low cost index funds is good. Um, buying gold is good, um, and uh, having a little bit of cash as well is good. And okay, hang on, right, right, hold on, hold on. Um, if you're looking to generate cash flow, because one of the biggest problems is in times like this is generating regular cash flow, isn't it? Smoothing yep. those ability to pay things. If you're buying gold, 
you ain't doing that. If you're buying index linked uh, unit funds and all the rest of it, you're mm -hmm. not really doing that. So they're, they're kind of hedging against, um, against things. But when you're looking at cash flow generating assets, yep. what, what are you sort of focusing in on on that one? Well, if I think back to about 20 years ago um, when I was uh, working as a lawyer, so I had income coming from there. I had uh, a travel agency, so there was income coming from there. A nightclub in Glasgow, there was income coming from there. Three hairdressing salons, income coming from there. And a cafe wine bar, an income coming from there. And it was interesting to see that sometimes one would subsidize the other because cash flow would drop, especially in the travel business. Um, when we were hit, for example, with the, the volcano, the Icelandic volcano that went off, and then suddenly all flights were stopped and all the rest of it, um, that, that required a bit of subsidy for a few months until things got back to normal. Um, but then, interestingly, there was a massive uptick. We thought that the travel business was going to suffer you know, forever, um, and it did. It went down, obviously. But then it took, we took a massive upturn, and the reason was because our travel agency was people-based. And when the volcano struck, we arranged for um, phone calls to be diverted to a phone answering service because we knew we were, were unable to cope with all the phone calls that were coming in. I mean, there was five people working the travel agency, but they were getting hammered with calls, people stranded abroad, that sort of thing. So we quickly organized with a company at that time called Old APA, and we set up a, a script so that whenever anybody phoned, the phone was answered, first of all, in three rings, and then people's information was taken. So what happened from that was a lot of these people that were getting their phone answered. So bear in, you know, picture the scene, someone's trapped in Madrid or something, the airport, and they phone us and the phone gets answered and we deal with it. And then although they're in the same situation as everyone else, they feel a lot better because at least now someone has listened to them, to their concerns and is giving them some information. Picture that the person sitting next to them who booked through Expedia and, and wasn't get, the phone was never getting answered by anyone, how frustrating they were. So that led quite a lot of people to turn around and say, well, you know what, I'm going to use a travel agency because at least, you know, I've got something to fall back on rather than my own incompetence of, you know, trying to book things, uh, thinking I'm getting a bargain. The reality is when you book through Expedia or anything like that, you're not getting a bargain because they pay commissions like everyone else. So you're not really getting, um, getting any kind of discount. But that was just an example. So that diversity or that spread was, was interesting. And when you speak to um, people that we know that uh, have businesses, they've got a diverse, um, in fact, some say you want to have five to seven sources of income. And where does that come from? Well, they have some rental property. Now, that rental property might be a buy to let. Then they have other rental property, which is HMOs. They have other rental property, which is serviced accommodation. So there's different levels there. And interestingly, in the last few years, I've met people who have said to me, the pandemic's the worst thing that ever happened because we had HMOs and some people left to go home and we couldn't fill the rooms. And then others who said it was the best thing that ever happened because people wanted to isolate, they wanted a room and we've never been busier. I've met serviced accommodation people who said, oh, it was a disaster because nobody was going anywhere. And others who said, well, I had people that were in our serviced accommodation to stay for a month, but they ended up staying for nine months. A company paid, you know, and, and it was the best thing ever. So it affects everybody in different different ways. But I think the message there really is, yeah, absolutely, have, have a diverse range of income-producing assets, but also 
uh, uh, included in that diversity is low-cost index funds from Hargreaves Lansdowne. Now, again, they can pay out on a monthly basis. I know someone that does um, uh, cryptocurrency, but does it through a particular agency, and they pay a good rate of return on a monthly basis. So it does. Now, gold, when you talk about gold, I'm not talking about buying a gold bar for 30000 or whatever it happens to be. These sort of things, which are grams of gold, you can buy and, you, and they're quite liquid because you can buy them and sell them. So I, I have a few of these for my children. There's a gram of gold. And when I bought them, they were 29 pounds, 30 pounds. And I think they're now at 48, 50 pounds. So I bought them a couple of years ago um, and you can trade them pretty quick. You know, they've got, a, they've got a, a reference number on the front there. As you can see, I'm holding up for those of you listening, I'm holding up a little plastic credit card size, um, size piece of um, card, which has the fineness of gold, the weight, which is one gram, and the number there. And you can sell these quite literally instantly online. Um, and they have to be posted and delivered. But you know, when I say instantly, you're talking about uh, liquid as in 24 hours, something like that. So not a gold bar. Well, even gold bars are trading quite quickly, but they're a bugger to post. <laughs> the postage is a nightmare. <laughs> Um, there are other people that I know that I've diversed into. Uh, I know someone, for example, during the lockdown that uh, made a lot of money uh, breeding their dog and other dogs. I wouldn't recommend it, but they are a, a, a dog breeder. I know someone else who was buying and selling horses and the price of horses went up and they, were, they would get the horse and train the horse up, back the horse as it's called, and then sell it on. Um, and this woman... I, I recall her telling me about one horse that she purchased for about £6,000 and three months later she sold it for £14,000. So, I mean, I mean, some of the, some of these, Ray, are, you know, I'm, I'm always loathe to, when you talk of uh, gold, crypto, horses, those sort of things, these are uh, ride the wave, uh, yep. ride, the, ride the wave because it's happening. But when you're looking for uh, a little bit more certainty of, of income, uh, if, if you think about um, what you said you were doing 20 years ago, the only mm. one that would have still generated income was you working as a lawyer. Mm. Uh, the rest would have been on hold. Yep. Um, and, and so you, you've always got to think to yourself, um, and I remember talking to someone years ago, talking about properties, and he said, make sure you got your foundation of two bed terrace, uh, back to back or to through terrace, buy to lets, that generate, you know, 150 quid a month mm -hmm. or something like that. They're not sexy. They're not exciting. He said, but month in, month out, you know, you know, the scale is, it's like getting, um, it's like looking at uh, buying, right. I'm going to go all out and buy a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Mm. Um, and I can just afford to get one, um, you know, and that'll be great. Or you look at your bog standard Ford Fiesta and then you say, well, the Ford Fiesta is a bit boring. It's not very exciting, is it? And you go, no, but it, it's fine. And I tell you what, when you come to service it, you'll be much happier at the Ford Fiesta service than the Ferrari that needs a, a new gearbox. And that's £40,000 just to get the gearbox mm. and then about £1,000 an hour to fit it. And they'll take three weeks or something. You know, it's, yeah. it's these sort of things, isn't it? It's People, I, I've met lots of people who talk about, I've seen this enormous commercial building, I'm going to flip it. I love the way they say, I'm going to flip it into 56 apartments. And you go, mm -hmm. you must have four arms like Popeye if you can flip 56 <laughs> apartments. But it's, yep. it's that sort of thing. And, and these are, I, 
I would just say when you're doing things like this, time scales, um, risk, and lumpiness should come into the equation here. So when you look at a time scale, if you're looking at a massive commercial into 56 apartments, think about it. There's an awful lot of moving parts in that project. And if there's one thing that we've seen, it's that when banks see a bit of uncertainty, they just string you along for you know an additional six or nine months. Mm-hmm. Can you afford that? You know, where's your cash coming from? Until you start selling those apartments, you're not getting anything in. Now you might go two years with money going out, you know, consistently. And and then you think, well, I'll sell, you know, after two years, 40 apartments will have been sold. I'll have had a big chunk of money in. That'd be mm-hmm. cool. What happens if it goes another year? Can do you have the resilience to do another year of all these things and additional costs? And then the market dips and 40 apartments only gets you the income the amount of money, the revenue that you thought you'd get from 35. So it drops. You've got to look at that, that sort of thing. And, and then you look at a, a two-bed terrace house. What do people need? Well, they don't necessarily need 56 apartments all in one go. Mm. And what did lockdown show us? People didn't want to be in apartments, mm-hmm. you know, and nobody had really factored that in. Um, you know, they were wanting gardens, outdoor space. They were wanting fresh air and a Juliet balcony on the north side, 20 floors up, um, mm. you know, wasn't wasn't doing it. And so you got to think to yourself, okay, it, it comes back down to what what can people do without and what can people not do without? And then you, you sort of target the areas where you think, look, demand here, yes, it may go up or down a bit, but you can't get rid of it. Starter homes, smaller accommodation, you there's always always going to be a demand for it and at the moment at the moment there's um, a potential demand for helping uh, refugees helping uh, asylum seekers um, people trying to get back up on their feet and recover from various you know abuse or horror stories and things like that there's lots of ways that you can help people and they are not going to come in and say we want this tower block with 200 apartments Mm. because there's a an over-concentration, there's a saturation, there's a, a feeling that, you know, people will point and say, oh, that's where all the refugees live. You know, yeah. you want to integrate people into society. So again, you come back, folks, when you're looking at doing this, just think to yourself, right, where's my resilience? Commercial buildings, the people that, that owned uh, the, the properties that had Debenhams, um, you know, BHS, uh, Toys R Us, the big box units or the big prestigious things, um, you know, when they go, you say, okay, if they go, who who else comes in? Um, John Lewis are saying, we've got prestigious places and they're flipping, um, I love that, flip uh, a floor into, you know, residential accommodation. Mm. So they're, they're looking at it going, well, if we can't open the stores and we're not generating the money, but we've got now got 40 apartments in there and they're all renting, we're going to at least be making some money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think to me, all this uncertainty is this, I've got this, I've got Miss Allison, you know, talking about droning on about monoculture in a monotone. And I never thought I'd be 
sort of thinking back to it and bringing it in. But I do look at this as, a, as an example of us being over-reliant on a particular thing that when you yep. stress test it is vulnerable and, yep. and probably more vulnerable than we would want to imagine. Um, and, and maybe the last few years have just shown that, you know, we should, we should broaden our, our, our worry list of, th of things that could happen and we should stress test. Yeah. Yeah. What, would what would happen if you earned no income from, from that particular thing for 12 months? Exactly. Can you survive? Yeah. And, and, th and these are the things, I, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe I'm being uber cautious. Or no, 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 I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I remember being at, uh, it's triggered a, a memory that uh, I was at an event run by Price Waterhouse many, many years ago. And they were showing the example of uh, a supplier who supplied Marks and Spencers. And they used to supply Marks and Spencers, Sainsbury's, Tesco, you know, they, a wide range. And then Marks and Spencers wanted them to be a dedicated supplier. So they became a dedicated supplier. Over a period of years, they became a dedicated supplier to Marks and Spencers. And then what happens is they started squeezing them on price, squeezing them on price, and then they dropped them all together. Um, and, and they went out of business. And they used that as an example of not being overly reliant on one client. Um, and that was, you know, that was a long time ago. And the same applies to today. Talking to a client last Thursday and his friend has a chicken factory um, and they turn over something like 50 million a year. And he thinks that they're going to go bust because the cost of food, the cost of, the cost of feeding the chickens, the cost of everything has gone up. And to go back to Ukraine, to Ukraine they're a major provider of chickens around the world. So, you know, he's he's now looking at hundreds of staff and a business basically going south because, you know, they're relying on one product. So yeah, it, it's scary. I mean, farming is a great example of um, where it goes, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's scary. I, I remember a, a farmer who, who took his own life. Um, he uh, sowed a particular type of lettuce and they came in and they said, no, the market wants iceberg lettuces. We don't want any of your crop. Oh, and, it, God. It, and it went from, you know, um, security in, in the knowledge you were growing something with a demand to, um, yeah, the rug being pulled completely from underneath. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, it's naughty. Um, but yeah, it, it's this, um, what do they say? Get into bed with the devil or, or whatever it is. On there. There'll be a <laughs> phrase somewhere for it. It's it? A, it well, you don't, it's a dog with fleas or something. I'll have to look it up. Why with a dog you get fleas or something? Yeah, yeah. It, make a deal with the <laughs> devil, and 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 you can say who is the devil, and you say, well, in in many instances, the devil is uh, the uncontrollable world economy, or um, you know, someone with a, a lack of integrity, or um, you know, I don't know. Uh, the, the right values and morals and, and things like that. And I, I do see that as well, actually, right? Mm -hmm. I do see that. I see the world splitting into the people with, with morals and, and thinking that's not right. And doing and, poli and politicians. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and just nut jobs. Um, yeah, but any, anyway, folks, look, it, it, depending on what your situation is, if, if you need to, um, uh, if, if you're needing any help, any thoughts, if, you, if you're wanting someone to just say, geez, I'm in, I'm in this position, if we can help, just as I say, get in touch. Hello at htrmoney.co.uk. If, if you've got something you want to chat through and you're wondering who to talk to and maybe just a sounding board, um, you know, to just have a look at things or maybe your next step, 
uh, just let us know and we'll see um, if we can help or there's someone we know who can help. But uh, hopefully Absolutely. you're all staying safe out there. I, I don't know if anyone uh, has listened to us in, uh, in Ukraine, then uh, we really send our, our love and best wishes that everyone is all right and you are going to make it through safe. Um, you know, it's desperate you just feel like oh why isn't harry potter real and you could wave your magic wand mm. well say i'm glad i'm glad i'm not walking down the road with my wife and kids and animals in tow carrying a suitcase on my back trying to get to safety that's that's one thing horrifying absolutely horrifying i wouldn't even know which way to walk you know, if they said, <laughs> i believe if they said, that would be no if, if they said right you've got to get out of england which way would you set off mm. Uh, you know which way Wheels. Would you even go the the very you know and and that would could you imagine no yeah, well you couldn't go to scotland desperate. you couldn't go to scotland because i'm sure they put barriers up there <laughs> they did that last summer um during the staycation keep out we wouldn't even let english people go north to scotland well anyway that's another story for another time all right thank you very much for listening everyone i've been yeah i'm still nigel t best we'll see you soon bye-bye Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?